Hey gorgeous, having trouble losing weight? Feeling tired, brain foggy, and just plain not like yourself? And you know your hormones are a part of the problem, but your doctor really doesn't have any answers for you and says it's normal for your age. The truth is, if you're a woman and not in tip top 100% shape, then your hormones are always a part of the problem and you need to be properly tested and treated. You could be suffering from hormonal poverty and that's a horrible place to live. Go now to thehormoneclub.com and find out how you can qualify to get your hormone levels properly tested and treated via telemedicine in your state provided by board certified medical doctors. At thehormoneclub.com, we know that every woman deserves to be hormonally rich and enjoy all the benefits that this brings. At thehormoneclub.com, you'll get what you need to lose weight, regain energy, balance your hormones and your moods, feel sexy and confident, and master midlife. See you at thehormoneclub.com. You're listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, episode number 31. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. everybody, it's Dr. Kieran here for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Welcome. I'm so glad that you chose to join me today. Hopefully you'll learn something that you can take and use in your life to start healing and moving towards brilliant health because you deserve it. So please help me welcome my guest today, Dr. Nawaz Habib. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. He's a certified functional medicine practitioner and a doctor of chiropractic who empowers his patients to address missing puzzle pieces in their health regimens that accrue tremendous impact for increased vitality, better energy, improved digestion, faster metabolism, who doesn't want that, and balanced hormonal health. In his recently released book, Activate Your Vagus Nerve, he shares practical tools to maximize the powerful healing potential of the vagus nerve to improve and heal chronic health conditions. Having experienced his own health and weight struggles, combined with his training and certification in natural healing, uniquely qualifies Dr. Habib to craft personalized recommendations for each patient to achieve maximum results. As part of the Living Proof team of clinicians, he helps people identify and address the root causes of health conditions using natural treatments so that they can experience the amazing way their bodies were meant to feel and heal. Welcome, Dr. Nabaz Habib. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So I'm very excited about your book and we'll, we'll get into that. But first, what I love about this type of medicine that we practice, functional medicine, is that every clinician who practices this type of medicine either had their own health challenges that weren't addressed by mainstream medicine or they had a loved one who was suffering, and they weren't getting the answers that they needed. So they went on a search, and they found functional medicine. 
So I'd love to hear your journey of how you discovered this type of revolutionary medicine. Absolutely. I'll, I'll share my, my journey because we all are on our own journey. We are going through our lives and, and learning new things every day. And so my journey began uh, back when I was in my teenage years when I started to put on a little bit of weight. I didn't realize what was going on. My parents were under the impression, and as many parents were back in the day, that juice was healthy for us, that mm-hmm. um, the foods that, that we were being marketed were actually going to be good for us, and we were following you know, the food pyramid and doing all of those things. And yet, for whatever reason, I was able to put on more weight than a lot of my family members. And that was one of the issues where it kind of first started. That said, continued on, went to university. I put on a lot more weight at university um, just by virtue of being around people that were kind of living that type of life. And so I went on to university and I started hanging out with a lot of really good people, a lot of friends, but we tended to have very similar eating habits and funny enough, very similar metabolism. And so a lot of us put on weight together and, and gained quite a bit during university years. Finally, I went to chiropractic college, and this is where I started to realize that I may not be in the best shape and, and that there were some real health issues and challenges that were coming my way because of those, those issues. And so in chiropractic college, I was introduced to the, uh, the idea of not being fit enough to be a chiropractor. And when I was getting close to graduating, I weighed 250 pounds. On my frame, that's actually quite a lot considering that I'm about five foot seven. So it was, I was disproportionately weighing everything kind of up high. And what that meant was I would get tired as I was treating patients throughout a day. And so as a chiropractor, my job was relatively physical. I was up and down, moving around, adjusting patients and and speaking to people, doing a lot of soft tissue therapy, but I was sweating at the end of the day. And that was a sign. And this was just even in school and in clinic, that was a sign that my health was not great. Mm-hmm. I went on to begin practice and I started to figure out, okay, I need to do something about my weight. I need to do something about my health so that I'm not able to, or so that I'm able to get through my days and make sure that I am able to spread this message of being healthy to my patients. And so there was one day where I was working at a chiropractic office uh, just nearby Toronto here in, uh, in an office in a condo building and a gentleman walked into the office and I had been fluctuating a little bit about 10 pounds here and there losing weight counting calories tracking my diet and this and that but the gentleman walked in and he said to me that his wife had been in a car accident she needed chiropractic care and he was a chiropractor himself but he doesn't practice chiropractic anymore he practices something else and I said oh what do you do and he said I practice functional medicine that gentleman was the uh, my mentor, Dr. Sachin Patel at the mm-hmm. time. And Sachin introduced me to this idea of what functional medicine was. I immediately went on Google and tried to figure out what functional medicine was. I started really interestingly looking into a lot of the, the pathways through which functional medicine can help people. And over the next few months, I started working with Sachin more as a mentor-mentee relationship where he would introduce me to functional medicine. And over that time, I was implementing a lot of these practices on my own. I was testing my own, uh, doing functional lab testing for myself. I was trying to figure out exactly what these issues were. And all of a sudden, weight started falling off and my blood sugar started to go down. And my uh, 
my hormonal health got so much better. My energy level started soaring. And so this was the introduction to your body just needed certain tools that were missing in order to function optimally. And so now I ended up losing 75 pounds doing that. I learned about blood sugar balance. I learned about introducing myself to the idea of being energized and actually waking up excited about the day because now I have something that I can live for and I'm super excited to share this with everybody. And that's why I'm excited to share this story with you as well. Yes. So that's wonderful. It's each one, teach one, we learn and then we share. And chiropractors have really notoriously been the leaders when it comes to holistic health. Uh, There are so many chiropractors who do uh, practice functional medicine, probably more than I would think MDs and DOs. So thank you for leading the charge. And I'm so glad that and grateful. I'm actually grateful for my health challenges because they led me to the truth. If I had had fairly decent health that was controlled, symptom control with drugs and surgery, then I probably would still be on the same pill pushing path. Uh, And so I'm really grateful for that. And so what got you interested in the vagus nerve? Let's start talking about the book because it's so vital. And I really work with helping people to understand the importance of their nervous system, particularly their autonomic nervous system health. And just for everybody listening, there are two branches to the autonomic nervous system. The autonomic nervous system is the one that controls the things that you don't think about. So I like to call it, call it automatic nervous system. So it has, well, we'll get into that, but sympathetic and parasympathetic and the vagus nerve is a big part of parasympathetic, which is required for healing. Absolutely. You've got to activate that. So let's start talking about that. Absolutely. Uh, Great, great analogy, great way of putting it. It's the same way I explain it to my patients that we have this system built in that allows us to breathe, allows us to have our heartbeat for digestion to occur, for detoxification to occur without needing to consciously think about it. We have a system built in and this is an evolutionary system, something that's been there for millennia, for thousands and thousands of years. And what's happened is We've gotten our bodies into a position where we overstress ourselves. We put ourselves into multiple different ways of stressing our bodies out, whether it be physical stress, biochemical stress, emotional stress, mental stress, psychological stress. All of these things are affecting us and causing our autonomic nervous system to shift from a rest and digest state, which is the parasympathetics, to the fight or flight state. And if we stay in that fight or flight sympathetic state for too long, it shuts off certain functions and doesn't allow our body to recover. And this is what the vagus nerve is really important for is recovery, resting and digestion. Yes. And so let's, let's help everybody understand what is the vagus nerve? Where is it? Why is it so important? So maybe like anatomically, let's start talking about that. Absolutely. And I'm so glad we're doing this on video because I can actually kind of point it out on me as well. The vagus nerve, and this is a bit of a misnomer, there are two vagus nerves. We have one on each side starting in our uh, midbrain area. And what that means is it's just off of the uh, the brain itself. It's on the midbrain or the, the brain stem is the area where it's coming from. And it's actually one of 12 cranial nerves. So there's 12 nerves that come out from the brainstem that are actually affecting areas 
in and around the cranium. But the vagus nerve is the only one. It's the 10th cranial nerve, and it's the only one that has an effect in the cranium and outside of the cranium as well. It's the only one that leaves the head space. And that's a really important factor here because not only does it leave, but then the left and right branches begin to mesh together and distribute nerves to our heart, our lungs, our vocal cords, which is actually why we have our voice is through the vagus nerve. It's actually sending signals to the laryngeal muscles. It also sends signals down through the diaphragm to the stomach, small intestine, large intestine, liver, pancreas, gallbladder, kidneys, thymus, spleen, you name it. Essentially every single organ in our body that needs to do the job of keeping us alive and keeping us thriving is innervated or sends signals to and from through the vagus nerve. And one really, really important factor here is to note that there are actually four different functions that vagus nerve has. So most nerves will have one function, either they're going to send an impulse in one direction and uh, not take the impulse back in the other direction. So we have motor and sensory, and that's where the vast majority of our nerves do their job. But the vagus nerve actually has four different functions. So yeah. it has a motor function to the throat, a sensory function to the ear, but it has afferent function bringing information from all of those organs that I listed to the brain and parasympathetic function from the brain to all of those organs as well. And that's what one of the things that's unique about it, because for everybody listening, so some of those cranial nerves are, for instance, your optic nerve, which brings information in from your eyes. So most of them are just afferent, not efferent, taking information out. But because the vagus nerve is bidirectional, you can affect its function centrally, which means in your brain, in your brainstem. Yes. So... Let's start talking about that. Absolutely. So it's the vagus nerve, like we, like we discussed, has four different functions. Two of these functions are for signals going from the brainstem out, and two of the functions are from organs coming into the brain. So what this means is in the brain, we're able to process a lot of this important information. And this is where we can really have a positive effect on the function of this nerve. So what we need to do is realize that there's four nuclei, four different spots where vagus nerve sends its signals into that area. And if we think about it this way, think of each nucleus as though it's a different light bulb on a chain of light bulbs, okay? And if these different light bulbs are lighting up, if one lights up really, really bright, what it's going to do is it's going to affect the next bulb to turn on a little bit as well. And then if that bulb turns on, then the next bulb is going to be able to turn on. And that happens for all four of these, as well as other nuclei that are in that area. And so we have tools and exercises that we can use to activate each one of those light bulbs or those nuclei and turn them on a little bit. And that's what I talk a lot about in the book. You know, I, if I'm listening to this and I don't really know about the vagus nerve, what I'm thinking right now is, Okay, so it's bidirectional. It, it innervates all my organs. Why do I care? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. So let's help everybody listening understand why does this matter for your health and healing? Because I'd be thinking, oh, it controls my internal organs. So what? Why, why should I care about it? And why do I need to do anything with it? Yeah, that, that's yeah. a great point because, yeah, what is the vagus nerve really to, to the lay person? What does it right. mean? Well, 
if you talk to any doctor, you'll realize that the vagus nerve is very, very important, but not a lot of them know how important and what it actually signals. Mm -hmm. And so it's important because it turns on the digestive organs. And as we know, health starts in the gut. All disease begins in the gut, as we know Hippocrates said many years ago. And so if we have an issue starting in the gut, something like a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, for example, some sort of dysbiosis, microbiome type issues, if we have poor digestive function, if we have hypochlorhydria, which is low stomach acid function or low stomach acid production, these are all signs of vagus nerve not functioning well. And when those things are not functioning well, when vagus isn't functioning well, we're not able to get these signals of rest and digest and recovery occurring, which is where we are promoting health. And so people that are dealing with an autoimmune condition, people that are dealing with the metabolic condition, people that are dealing with digestive concerns, all of these people have in common the fact that their vagus nerves are not working optimally. And that's one really big piece of the puzzle, which just has not been put together uh, in the past. And that's why I was so adamant about writing this book, because it really is one of those big missing puzzle pieces in connecting the conventional healthcare system to our um, functional medicine healthcare system as well. Yeah, I, I love a test that I do in the office with patients that's a heart rate variability test that really is a test of the autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic and sympathetic, because I love that printout that it gives where it shows people in full color what's going on with their autonomic nervous system, because parasympathetic is the part that heals you, and most people are so depleted, and sympathetic is the part that stresses you out, and so when they can see how blunted their parasympathetic is, then I can get them started on tools to heal and restore that vagus nerve autonomic parasympathetic function so they can start to heal. It sounds like you use a lot of practices like that in your uh, practice as well. Absolutely. So I, a lot of these are are based on tests and there's certain tests that we can use, some that require going into the doctor and actually having testing done, which heart rate variability is one of those tests, but it is the strongest test for the function of the autonomics and specifically the vagus nerve, because The vagus nerve is the only parasympathetic activity that's going to the heart. And so the reason heart rate variability is such a great measure of this, and I'm actually tracking mine as well using my aura ring. I don't know if you've... Let's uh, talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This tracks heart rate variability throughout the night. And that actually is a great sign to talk about how well your parasympathetics and your vagus is functioning throughout the night. And if you have improvement or an elevation in your heart rate variability as the night goes on, It tells you that you've recovered well over the night and that you're actually feeling better. And you'll actually notice when you wake up rested, I woke up quite rested this morning and my heart rate variability last night was actually higher than normal. Like it had a nice trend and it was on a slightly higher number as well. And so why heart rate variability is important is we are constantly getting sympathetic activity. We're constantly being told in our heart that we need to beat. And so our heart, without any nerves going into it, without any signals going into it, would beat normally at around 100 beats per minute. That's where our heart is supposed to beat. Anything higher than that is a sign of sympathetic activity where we are under stress, we are, we're tired, we are not recovering well. 
And that's going to increase our heart rate and decrease our heart rate variability, which is the amount of time between beats of the heart. And we want high heart rate variability. We want resilience. The higher the HRV, the better your vagus nerve is functioning. And that's because your sympathetic nervous system or your sympathetic nerves are sending a signal consistently. It's almost like 90% of the time sympathetics are signaling. And only 10% of the time will the vagus actually send a signal to the heart. And what that does is it brings the heart rate down towards the 60-ish zone. So the reason why we say a, a healthy heart rate is generally closer to that 60 to 70 area is because that's a sign of vagus nerve doing its job to slow down the heart from that 100 that it generally would be at to that 60 to 70 where vagus is actually sending that signal. And so because we're able to slow down the heart rate with a good vagus nerve, what that means is the time between beats of the heart is going to increase and be more variable. And so that's why the vagus nerve uh, signaling is so important and why heart rate variability is a great way to see how vagus is functioning. Yeah, and just for everyone listening, we check heart rate variability as a key indicator of intrauterine health for unborn babies and during labor and delivery. That's how we monitor how healthy the baby is. And yet that variability persists throughout life and is a key indicator of the health of a human being. And yet most of us clinicians don't use it clinically to help guide people in their health to help evaluate the status of their health. But it's, it's a fabulous indicator. And that's why we in functional medicine use it. Um, and that's why it's important that your heart rate be lower. And there's a wide range of quote unquote normal in traditional medicine for heart rate. But we know in functional medicine, the closer you're getting down to that 60 at rest for your heart rate, that the healthier you are. Absolutely. And so what are some symptoms that people would notice? Because I'd be wondering if I were listening, well, how do I know if I have a problem with my vagus nerve that I really need to pay attention? There's a few very important ones and a few really, really common signs that your vagus nerve is not functioning well. So as we talked about, it also sends signals to the stomach, gallbladder, small intestine, large intestine. And this is where we can really get to know how well it's functioning. So I have another really great test, a really simple test for anybody to be able to do to dictate how well their vagus nerve is functioning. And it's through digestion. It's called the uh, sesame seed bowel transit time test, which is a really simple way to essentially check to see how long it takes for sesame seeds that you swallow or you drink from that moment until you release them in your stool. So I get people to pick up a pack of or a small just a small thing from like a bulk store of white sesame seeds mm -hmm. and you take a spoonful of those and you put them into a glass of water and you mark down the time that's really important and you drink that water without chewing the sesame seeds because our bodies are not capable of breaking down the shell of those sesame seeds so we're actually just going to pass them straight through we're not actually going to be able to break them down and so what you're then doing is you're counting the amount of time where you're checking to see when your next bowel movement is, are you releasing those white sesame seeds? If you're not, then that's going to say, okay, we have a certain amount of time. And that certain amount of time by which you're, or through which you're releasing those sesame seeds should be between 12 and 24 hours, optimal being around 16 hours. 
So our bowel transit time should be from the point where we take a bite of food to the point of releasing that same food, it should be about 16 hours. If we're releasing those sesame seeds sooner or later than that, then that is a sign that we are not functioning well. So that's a really easy test for anybody. But what this also means is anybody who is dealing with diarrhea or constipation, anyone with an IBS or inflammatory bowel disease probably has some sort of vagus nerve dysfunction because that peristaltic movement is not working well. Peristalsis is the movement of food across the intestinal tract, which is essentially a motor function of those organs. And so that is dictated by the vagus nerve. So if it's poor signaling through the vagus nerve, you're not going to be able to move that food along the digestive tract really easily. Right. I love that so much better than the charcoal tests. I love white sesame seeds. <laughs> I always used to use the, the charcoal. You eat the charcoal and then you look for the charcoal on the other end, which is not fun and necessarily easy to find, but white sesame seeds. So if you have any gastrointestinal disturbance, then you likely have some type of vagus nerve dysfunction. Yeah. You feel revved up and you can't go to sleep at night because you can't shut down your thoughts and your body, that's a sign that you might have vagus nerve dysfunction. Definitely. If, if you participate in an activity that raises your heart rate, but your heart rate doesn't come back down to normal very easily, that's a sign you may have a vagus nerve problem. Um, so it really affects all of your internal organs. Let's talk about how does the vagus nerve affect immunity? Yeah, this is a great question. So the immune system is actually dictated by vagus nerve function. And this has a lot to do with your nutrition and has a lot to do with the actual signaling of vagus into the gut. And so this is really important. So we talked about how vagus has a signal going directly to the spleen, to the thymus when it is actually um, available. So our thymus is an organ that is right behind our sternum. And that organ has a very specific function of training our immune cells. And as we become teenagers and get into our 13 to 16 year old stages, what happens is the thymus actually starts to uh, shrink up and kind of envelop and, and disappear. And so it's almost like school is over is essentially what I like to say for right. those white blood cells. They, they've left school and now they're kind of out on their own. And the spleen is like their continuing education area. And so if we don't have a great signaling uh, pattern to our spleen, then we're not going to have great continuing education going on for those white blood cells. But what's also really important is about 70% of our white blood cells are located in the lining of our gut, in our gut-associated lymphatic tissue, or GALT. And that's really important because the signals going from vagus to the intestines are not just telling the intestines to pump the food through, they're actually signaling an entire system in inside the gut called the cholinergic anti-inflammatory system. And that's really, really important in making sure that our immune system is functioning optimally. So people dealing with an autoimmune condition, vast, vast majority of these people have some sort of immune dysregulation caused by vagus nerve function not being optimized. 
Right. And just so everyone knows, we talked about the, the thymus and I love that schools out. And the spleen is an organ that's up under your left side of your rib cage. I don't know if everyone can see up under here, your liver's up under the right side. And it has a lot to do with your immune system function as well. And then the galt, gut, gut associated lymphoid tissue around the bowel is is key so how does the vagus interact with the hormonal system so with the hormonal system this is where it's really important to look at the nerves kind of sending the signal first but the hormones having their secondary effect and if we're sitting in a stressful state if we're sitting in a fight or flight state for a long period of time what happens is we're essentially turning off vagus but we're then also turning on over the longer period of time our adrenals, and we have our cortisol levels rising throughout the time that we have this issue going on. It's also strongly linked to the thyroid system. It doesn't innervate the thyroid, but it's strongly linked to that. And the reason for that is our thyroid has a very specific effect. TSH is the signal from the pituitary in the brain to the thyroid saying, let's stimulate you, let's get you functioning, and let's get you releasing T4 which is the four, like the inactive version of thyroid hormone, which needs to be activated into T3. T3 sends a signal to the mitochondria in every one of our cells where we are producing energy in every single one of our cells. And in order for the mitochondria to work, the input is a protein or a, sorry, not a protein, a molecule called acetyl-CoA. Acetyl-CoA is actually produced from fat and carbohydrate. And so if we are able to produce a good amount of acetyl-CoA, that's great. That means that we're able to then use acetyl-CoA as an energy source and our thyroid is going to be able to do the job that it needs to do. Where acetyl-CoA is also important in the vagus side is vagus uh, signaling occurs. The neurotransmitter used by vagus is acetylcholine, which requires acetyl-CoA production as well as a certain protein called choline or amino acid called choline. And so putting those two together, we produce acetylcholine. And if we're having trouble with our mitochondria function, or if we're having trouble because we're lacking B vitamins, or we're lacking carnitine, or we're lacking coenzyme Q10 or lipoic acid, we're not going to be able to produce enough acetyl-CoA. And thus, we're also not going to be able to produce enough acetylcholine, ACH, the neurotransmitter. So this is where it becomes really important to know that your nutrition is working well because it's going to affect both the hormonal system and the vagus nerve on not only energy levels, but then also through the stress side and on the adrenals as well. And that'll have a direct effect. Essentially, if any specific hormone or any specific um, pathway of hormones is is off, all of them are going to be off. If one hormone is not working well, for example, insulin levels are too high or we're insulin resistant because of PCOS or diabetes or something along those lines, then we're going to have issues with our thyroid, with our adrenals, with our estrogen, with our testosterone levels. All of them are going to be jumbled up. And insulin is kind of the king of those, but our thyroid and adrenals and obviously our sex hormones have a lot to do with that balance. Right. That's great information. And as you were speaking, I was just thinking about the fact that the digestive system function with the autonomic nervous system and the vagus nerve is really, they're so intimate 
And when you start having a problem with one, you have a problem with the other and you just get on this downward spiral. So you have digestive issues, you know, whether you have dysbiosis or food sensitivities, you're not breaking your food down. And then that contributes to autonomic uh, system dysfunction and autonomic system dysfunction contributes to um, the gastrointestinal system. And then you need these vitamins and nutrients. You need to be able to break your food down because ultimately that's the function of the gastrointestinal tract and extract these nutrients. But that's hindered when your autonomic nervous system isn't functioning well and your gut then isn't functioning well. You don't break your food down and it becomes this downward spiral. And I sometimes encounter people who believe, and it would be great if it were true, that they could eat themselves into good health in this day and age. But you really need interventions to break these cycle to you need an intervention in the autonomic nervous system to start working on that. You need interventions in the gut to start working on that. Exactly. So let's start getting into talking about, well, how do you fix this? Totally. So this is a great way to, to move on to that because where we're, where a lot of people get lost on this is how do I affect a nerve, right? Like <laughs> I know how to pump my muscles, but how do I affect my nerves? And what you're actually learning is, and what I learned in the process of not only being a chiropractor, but learning how to write this book was when you're training your muscles, when you're exercising in the gym, for example, we're doing a bicep curl, for example, mm-hmm. when we're doing that, we're not actually training the muscle. We are training the nerve. We are sending a signal and strengthening the nerve that's sending that signal to the muscle. While we're doing that bicep curl, we're breaking down that muscle and that muscle is going to actually build up during the recovery time after we finish the workout. It doesn't actually build up during, it builds up afterwards. This is a really, really important key to this because if we can affect that nerve by exercising it, why can't we do the same for the vagus nerve? And the answer is we absolutely can. Diet does matter. There is absolutely a, a place for diet. There's no question about it. Eating McDonald's and you know fast food and junk food every day is going to cause you issues because you're going to have microbiome issues. You're going to have immune and intestinal issues. But being able to activate the vagus nerve in addition to that is going to allow us to work through and actually make that diet work even better. And that's where the missing piece of this is. And so let's learn how to essentially lift the biceps for the vagus nerve. How do we do that? Yeah. Like we said, there's four specific actions of vagus, right? We have the afferent function, which is bringing all the information from the gut up to the, to the brain. We have the sensory information that comes from the skin of the ear, the inside area of the ear. We have the motor function, which is the motor function of the laryngeal muscles and the back of the pharynx as well, which is where our airway opens up. And then we have the parasympathetic activity. So the way that we can affect this, and like I said, it's those four light bulbs that are sitting beside each other. If we turn one of those light bulbs on really, really bright, the next one's going to just actively turn on, okay? Because it's sending off so much energy and so much heat, it's essentially turning on that next bulb. And so the way to do that is to use the sensory and the motor specific aspects to help with that. So we can use deep breathing exercises as a really, really great tool to activate vagus, getting us to actually learn how to breathe correctly is one of the most important tools. And then we use uh, gargling, humming, chanting as one of the strongest ways to activate vagus using those motor 
the muscles in our larynx and our vocal cords. So the reason why when people are doing yoga, for example, or they're meditating, and why the Hindu culture has people doing Om, is if you actually sit there and you say Om, and if you feel your throat while you're saying that, you'll notice there's a vibration going on. And Om is actually a really, really fantastic frequency at which to vibrate those muscles and stimulate vagus. So it's actually old world knowledge that's being translated into research showing that they were doing something right back then. Yeah, so this is great information. So I love that. So breath work and toning and chanting and laryngeal activation. Let's Let's do that. Let's let's have everybody listening. Let's do an ohm. I love to chant ohm. And somebody taught me at one point to not just make it the mm, closed part, the last bit, but close it down earlier and feel that. Mm. We do that a lot. I sing in a, a chorus. And when we hum, you, you have your teeth just so they touch. And you can really increase that vibration all the way into the chest cavity and you're vibrating your energetic system, you're activating that vagus nerve. And so if it's, can we do one? Absolutely. Okay, let's do an ohm. So everybody listening will do a cleansing breath first, take a big breath in, fill your lungs all the way and then blow it all the way out. Bring your belly button to your back and then all the way in for, and then we'll exhale with ohm. I love to do three of those too. You can just with three deep breaths and three ohm breaths kind of activate that parasympathetic nervous system and calm your heart rate and calm yourself down. Yeah, even just doing one of those makes you feel so calm. And so this is one of those tools with anybody that has a digestive issue or some sort of like constipation, diarrhea, or if you're eating in a rush, I get people to stop. And what this does is it really just slows down time. It gets your body into a very calm state. I actually did a couple of these before our interview because I was getting a little bit nervous. And I said, let me get calm. This is a great way to do that. And so this will actually stimulate your digestion. It'll stimulate your heart, get you into a calm state, allow you to breathe correctly. It does such a great job of doing that. And so doing a little bit of humming or chanting right before a meal is a great tool, one that I give a lot of my patients. Yes, and eating, standing up, not calming down to eat. You could do three ohms, like you said before, sit down. You lower your digestive enzymes and your ability to digest your food. So that creates that negative feedback loop we're talking, which then affects your digestion, which then affects your vagus nerve. So just doing this before you eat um, is a great time to do it. Doing it before you go to bed, uh, because then it helps you to change into that parasympathetic sleeping system. Um, what are some other tools that you share with patients to help so, with their vagus nerve? Yeah, absolutely. I talked about the sensory area of the ear. One of the greatest tools that we can use passively, this is one that you probably won't be able to do on your own unless you're an acupuncturist, is actually using acupuncture to help stimulate the sensory component of the vagus nerve. So um, having somebody that knows how to needle, obviously, um, do the needling in the ear actually is a great way to stimulate that vagus 
uh, sensory flow and get that light bulb turned on so the other ones can also turn on. That's a really awesome one. And then I have a couple of other really great tools. So the breath is really the, the best and the strongest one in affecting your autonomics. And we attached the OM to a deep breath. And so deep breathing and actually training that exercise is like going from a five pound weight to a 15 pound weight to a 50 pound weight. If you learn how to train your breath. And so what I have my patients do is start with the deep breathing exercises. That's your five pounder. That's an easy bicep curl. Shouldn't be too much work. Once you want to really up that, then I get people to start taking cold showers or end their shower Ah. with really, really cold water. So not only is that going to help on the anti-inflammatory side, but it's also going to make a big, big difference in terms of making it hard for you to take a deep breath. It's like adding a 15-pound weight or a 25-pound weight Mm. onto that specific function. And so what I get my patients to do is get in the shower, take your normal shower, and then for the last one minute of that shower, I want you to turn it down as cold as you possibly can and let it hit you on the back of your neck and you'll just kind of shake up get really, really tight. And then what you do is you force yourself to get into a calm state and make sure you're breathing using your diaphragm. That diaphragmatic breathing is like lifting a heavy weight when you have cold water on you. And it's really great because if you train yourself to do that, then you can get into almost, and this is going down the rabbit hole a little bit, into Wim Hof style breathing and getting into the use of that Wim Hof breathing to go outside and climb Everest in your shorts like he does. Wim Hof is one of those amazing, um, they, call him a, uh, they call him a daredevil, but I, I really think the guy is a genius because he's learned how to use his vagus nerve and actually control his autonomic function regardless of the temperature that he's in. That's a really, really cool way. If you look him up, it's Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F. Uh, really, so talk really about Wim Hof style breathing. What is that? So Wim Hof style breathing is actually, it teaches you how to use cold and how to control your breath. And then he gets you to train how to do a sympathetic style breathing, which is a very fast breathing, gets your heart rate really pumped. But if you can train yourself to go up, you can train yourself to come back down. And so what he does is he teaches you through the breath, the cold, and just commitment to doing it on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. how to improve your physical function, how to improve your immune system function, and overall your vagus nerve activity using his specific tools. It's really, really um, down the rabbit hole, great stuff. If you want to go down that path, it's a great, great way and a great person to learn from. So is that something like fire breath where you have these rapid contractions of the diaphragm? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like that. Okay. Learning how to control the diaphragm throughout the time. Yes. And, and yeah, when you have people work with also high intensity interval training, doing the sympathetic breath work with the parasympathetic, you can really see on the HRV test, their improvement. Yes. Um, Gosh, there was something else I was thinking of as you were talking, you have so much great information. I'm very excited for the book, but we don't, we probably can't share everything that's in the book. So I'm going to encourage everybody to get the book. Um, we're going to leave you with three top take action tips um, from Dr. Habib to that you can do today. We've shared some practices with you. And uh, what would you say those top three take action tips are? What would you challenge people listening to do to help Absolutely. their Absolutely. Simple top three easy things. Learn how to breathe correctly. Number one, make sure that you're breathing using your diaphragm. 
Too many of us breathe with our chest. We're using our muscles and we're all tight in the traps and in our neck. And this is the chiropractor and me really coming out saying, <laughs> if we're breathing incorrectly, we're going to tighten up those muscles. And also just being at the computer all day, we're not allowing that to occur. So learn to breathe correctly. Learn to breathe using your diaphragm. Watch a baby breathe. It's the coolest thing because when you watch them do it, that's a sign of what nature intended for us to do. And we've trained ourselves out of that. So breathing correctly, using our diaphragm, number one, best way to get you into your parasympathetics. Number two, do some sort of exercise that stimulates those vocal cords. They are super, super strong in getting your health and getting your your state and your body into a relaxed rest, digest, and recover state. And so doing the humming, the chanting, the gargling is a really great one as well. Um, Doing some sort of OM or doing it right before you're getting into a state where you're going to eat food, like you need to digest or something along those lines. Do that because that's going to stimulate a lot of positive health for you. And then the third one, if you can, train yourself to take those cold showers. The last one minute of those showers Uh, being as cold as possible and training that breath to really work. Not only does it decrease the inflammation levels in your body, but by doing so and by allowing you to train your breath, you're stimulating vagus and allowing that cholinergic anti-inflammatory system to do the job that it needs to do. So those would be my top three. I love that. So number one, breathe correctly and breathing exercises to stimulate that vagus nerve with kind of laryngeal activities and the cold showers. And I recently looked at the research on the cold showers and I was amazed at how scientifically based it is and that uh, incidence of illness goes down, immune system function up, and it just has so many benefits. So those are tremendous take action activities that I encourage everybody listening to do. You're, wherever you're listening, if you're in your car, if you're at your desk, you can take just a couple seconds and do an ohm. Singing is a good activity yes. also. And next time you get in the shower, you can turn the cold on for 30, 60 seconds and let it hit the back of your neck like Dr. Habib is talking about. So those are awesome. And I had uh, this thought uh, that I just wanted to share. It came to me. It's probably kind of goofy, but you know how they say what's, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> but what I was thinking is what happens to your Vegas does not stay in the Vegas. I honestly wanted to title the book. My publisher didn't allow me to, but I wanted to make the title. What happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> right. What happens in Vegas great affects to. everything. What happens to your, as your Vegas goes, so your whole body goes. So that's, that's another take home for everybody that the care and feeding of your Vegas nerve is paramount to your brilliant health. Definitely. And that leaves me with my last question for you. The podcast is called Her Brilliant Health Radio. How would you define her brilliant health. What does that mean to you? I'm surrounded by strong and very positive women. I have my wife, who is probably the coolest and most powerful and strong woman I know. My mom, my my aunt, my daughter, who I've got a picture of right in the back. I, I'm surrounded by strong, positive women. And to me, if a woman is healthy, if she's able to take care of herself, then she's just able to spread that health to everybody around her. And so for me to become healthy required me to be around my wife 
and required me to take control of my own situation. But having that support made all the difference in the world. So being surrounded by strong, positive women in my life uh, is, is really the way to spread that health message to everybody, not just to the women. Yes, I love that. I, I always say that uh, we women are the guardians of health in the world. And as we go, so everybody goes. We're really the the leaders. We're, we're 80% of the consumers of functional medicine. And so being surrounded by strong women, I love that they help to lift you up to the position that you're in now because you're in such a wonderful position to help so many people, whether male or female. And I know that people are going to be blessed by your book and um, they're going to learn about the importance of the vagus nerve and the parasympathetic nervous system and really have tools to start to heal from the inside out and create brilliant health for themselves. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Very many blessings. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Habib. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you are inspired to take action on some new information you received today. A step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science. gorgeous having trouble losing weight feeling tired brain foggy and just plain not like yourself and you know your hormones are a part of the problem but your doctor really doesn't have any answers for you and says it's normal for your age the truth is if you're a woman and not in tip top 100% shape then your hormones are always a part of the problem and you need to be properly tested and treated you could be suffering from hormonal poverty and that's a horrible place to live Go now to thehormoneclub.com and find out how you can qualify to get your hormone levels properly tested and treated via telemedicine in your state provided by board-certified medical doctors. At thehormoneclub.com, we know that every woman deserves to be hormonally rich and enjoy all the benefits that this brings. At thehormoneclub.com, you'll get what you need to lose weight, regain energy, balance your hormones and your moods, feel sexy and confident, and master midlife. See you at thehormoneclub.com.